0: Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts Ozman, here, Dana Osband. with my friend, Rehavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daft today, Masachat daft Dalit, paid for. Well, now I have to apologize for my voice because I somehow caught Ann's cold over the ocean. We <laughs> seem to be going back and forth with these colds and things like that. So we just appreciate everybody bearing with us that our voices are not as strong as they usually are. Um, So let's get to this rich job. And one thing I want to say is what's starting to happen on these Daphim is a lot of discussions about what if you built a sukkah this way? What if you built a sukkah that way? And I think just like we had in A. Reuven, one of the challenges is, is that either we're reading something without pictures, or at least in this podcast, we're verbally describing something. So it's really difficult to learn these Daphim without a good picture book. Um, And so I just want to recommend I think many of the Gemaras that some of you may learning may have picture books, but there are still some Mishnah books out there that have really good pictures as well. So just as the same way with Eruven, it was sort of essential to have good visuals. The same thing with Sukkah, you know, try to find a good visual for your learning alongside with
1: it. So also, also just another, another angle where one Mm -hmm. can find such pictures is they make placards, I guess, for decorations for the Sukkah that have many, many, many different versions of a sukkah. You know, is this kosher? Is this not kosher? And that's another way to come at the visual of, of what's being described.
0: Oh, that's true. Right. It's like a sukkah decoration. So once we finish this masachah, um, which will be a couple of weeks before sukkah starts, I think everyone should get that that uh, that poster for their sukkah. So I, I'm going to hop into here in the middle of Ahmed Alif where there's a discussion, a still trying to solve the problem of what do you do if the sukkah is more than 20 amot high. And so the Gemara proposes the following interesting solution. So this the case here is, let's say you have the sukkah that the walls are more than 20 amot high, and you basically build a platform right in it opposite the entire middle wall. So in other words, remember here, they're talking about a sukkah that has three walls and opposite the middle wall, you build this, you know, this platform, right? So the fourth side is basically an entrance, right? And you build a platform. It would have to be at least seven by seven tfakhim. Um And basically because you sort of raise the floor, right? So now technically the wall starts at the top of that platform. And now the wall is not higher than 20 amot. And so basically, this is another way of sort of how to make kosher the sukkah that from the ground up has has it more than 20 amot high, but it's actually low, it's actually, you're making the floor higher by putting this platform. What was interesting to me about this is that the shul that I grew up in in Boston, which was Rav Saloveitchik's shul, there was a lot of discussion when they renovated the shul about the machitza. Because on the women's side, actually the woman sat on a platform. And on the men's side, it was like six inches lower. So when they went to redo the machitza, there was a lot of discussion about how high was the actual wall of the machitza. Was it from the experience of the woman where it was on the platform? So I'm not remember the exact measurement. Let's say from from where they were sitting their ground to the top of the machitza was 42 inches, but from the men's side, which was lower. It was a total of forty-eight inches, something like that. And so, essentially, I can tell
1: you, I could betcha, I could, I dive in there also, right? For not for Shabbos, right. <coughs> but in school. And <coughs> excuse me, I am not five feet tall, as I've mentioned. I think that that was five feet high from the from the platform.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> so you can measure it from your height. So, but you understand what I'm saying, and it's like the same idea. So you're just oh yeah, know, a platform.
1: for people, you know, most everybody is much taller than I am. So the question of what you're seeing over the machitzo, or is it to your head? You know, it's a really different view.
0: Right, it's a very different view. But here the idea is, is that it has to be built opposite, like opposite that middle, you know, that middle wall. That's it has to be built alongside that. Now they ask a different question: atsad Let's say it's built against one of the side walls. If there's a distance between that side wall, right, and sorry, the opposite wall, okay. So in other words, you do it along, let's say, the left side, but between the platform and the right side is greater than is is equal to greater than dalad amot, right? So then it says Pisula, You haven't fixed anything. Pachomi arba amok but less than it is because we say that basically at this point the wall sort of is a curved extension to that opposite wall, and it's considered to be you know that you that you have sort of raised the 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 floor of the sukkah enough for all three of those walls. My kamash Malan. So now the gemara says, well, what are you really teaching us here? Right. If we're talking about it's a halachav curved wall, which we actually talked about a little bit earlier as well, Tanina, right? We learned this already, and now they're quoting a mission that's going to appear on Amud Yudzayin. al right? Let's say you have a house that has a big hole in the middle of the roof, and you basically put z'chach on top of that roof, right? Al-gavav, la-sichuch dalara it between the wall and where the roof, the schach roof starts, is Dalit amot. We say it's pasul, pachom ikan But if it's less than them, we say that wall sort of curves and meets where the schach is. And if you think about Dalit amot is a pretty, under Dalit amot is still a pretty large area. But it's this idea that sort of the roof, the schach doesn't need to actually touch the roof. And so it's the same idea that the floor doesn't need to touch the wall either. The walls can curve either towards the floor or the walls can curve toward, you know, till the floor of this platform or can curve towards the roof. But the idea that they're saying is this, this concept of curving the walls is not new. So why are you teaching this about the platform? Because we could sort of learn this out from the concept of this hole in the roof. So the answer, because you could say, right, that this halacha, of the curve hatamhu, it only applies in the case of the house that's breached, right? To chaza adofen, right? That's the, where the where there's where it's suited, you know, to be the wall because that wall is less than twenty amot. but here where the wall from the beginning wasn't really suited to be a sukkah wall, meaning it was higher than twenty amot. So by design, that sukkah wall was never a kosher sukkah wall. Latofan a you might have thought, okay, you can't apply <coughs> the law of curve to it. Come Ashmalan, we learn otherwise. So they're making an important distinct, di, you know, uh, distinction here that the difference between those two cases are in the case with the breach in the roof, the wall already was a kosher wall because it was less than here with raising the platform. The wall was actually never a kosher wall. But by building this platform, you, you don't fix the wall, but you lower the 20 amot, and now it becomes acceptable to be used. And that's why you needed this taught in two of these two different cases. Now they're going to go through a different case. Again, let's say the sukkah was more than 20 amot. And now say let's say you built a platform in the center of the sukkah. So it's not opposite that middle wall, but it's in the center. Right. If there's an edge of the platform in any of the four directions, but more importantly, the directions of the three walls, so the two outer walls and that middle wall, and it's a four amot or greater, right? Sula, it's But if it's less than four amot, it's okay. Now again, Mai Kamash what are they teaching us? Um, right? Again, we learned this concept of the curved wall. So this is exactly the same thing. If it's less than four moat we're going to have the curved wall, right? And here it's the bottom curves to reach the platform. What, what's new in teaching us here? So I might have said, the curve only applies if you only need to curve it from one side, right, baruch. But can you say that we can curve from every direction. Look, maybe I would have said no. Come ashmalan, We say, yes, you can. So I think this is just, you know, an interesting solution where we don't actually fix the wall itself but build a platform. But the Gemara is also going through why do we need to teach out each and every case and that we could find reasons to say, oh, it's not enough of exactly the same as some of these other cases that are taught. And therefore this new case you know, with the with the, these two cases that the platform need to be retaught because we could find an exception of why the curved wall doesn't actually apply
1: to it. Okay, um, I one of the things that I find most interesting here is that the Gemara makes no bones about that it is starting with the extremes and that we're establishing from it the basic principles. So, for example, the twenty amot is the extreme. Obviously, you could have a discussion of something that's more than that. But that's the beginning of where it becomes problematic, right? So if it's something taller than that, it doesn't matter. It's within the case of the extreme of 20 amot. And then we've got a curved wall, which seems to be the extreme of, you know, in the terms of the sa- the shape of a wall. Is it going to be acceptable or not? And now we have an example of the smallest that we can have. Um, and, you know, we're talking about a kosher sukkah. Ita gavo'a asarat fachim. If you have a sukkah, a wall where it is ten tefachim high, now remember, it's ten tefachim is about four. No, one tefach is about four inches. So ten tefachim is going to be about forty inches. This is not high, right? This is a couple of feet. This is not. This is not a tall thing. Um, how you get in there to have it be your sukkah is unclear. But let's say you can, right? your deen asarah. And now, what happens? What about a case where your sukkah was 10 hand-breadth side to begin with? And that's the minimum, right? For a sukkah to be a sukkah. But now what happens is your schach, the in your din, the your schach falls within the 10 tzvachim. So, Abayi says that if the sunlight in that sukkah, usually we want there to be more shade, right? If the sunlight in the sukkah is greater than the shade, then it should be okay, meaning the leaves themselves are not bringing that sukkah so low that it can't even be a sukkah. But if the shade would be more, the implication is, of course, then it would be a problem. Um, it would be, you know, it would invalidate the sukkah because it's not just the walls, it's also the height of the sukkah. How, how high up is it? If it's on the walls, then it's fine. But if it falls in, or if it's like kind of leaning down into it, then what you sit under is going to be lower than your ten sachem and that is not kosher. that's the bottom line. Okay, so as I said, this is yet another example of what's the extreme um, to establish it on the other on the other end. And right, this is the the 20 amot high, then you can, there's all kinds of ways to get around, to get around it so that you don't have 20 amot anymore. Here the question is, well, what if you don't even have your ten sachem then what? And the answer is going to be: listen. At the end of the day, you end up with with a psul. You end up with a, a sukkah that's not kosher, and you have to come up with a different, a different shape, a different kind. You know, pull pull up your eschach so that it's not dipping down. Uh, you know, there's a, it, there are so many different potential sukkot that are and that do end up being kosher, and then at some point you hit the outer limits of that, and that is exactly what they're exploring in every which direction. Okay, and now. The next question is, what happens if you have a sukkah that is, in fact, less than 10 fachim high? Because, you know, if your Dana took the 20 amot, I took the 10 fachim as a a topic here, not extreme. And then, so you know that your sukkah is too small to be a sukkah. It's not a sukkah. What happens if you dig out the ground? And now, instead of it being 10 fachim high, not yet 10 fachim high, you have it more than 10 fachim, you know, because you've dug out the ground low enough that the sukkah itself will go high enough to reach the 10 fachim. Then the question is, where is this digging out? Does it go all the way to the edge of the sukkah, or is it you know is there a, a, a space between the hole that you want to go into to call it the bottom of you know reaching to the ground? If you have a three t'vachim from the from the ridge from the external rim of the of the hole that you have dug between there and the wall of the sukkah going up, it's less than ten t'vachim high. You know, so for example, let's say you had, imagine a wall that, you know, that goes all the way around, fine. Um, You've made a box, so to speak, all the way around. And now you've dug your ten fachim all the way to, that that will hit the wall. That's going to be totally fine. But if it is only in the middle, let's say, of the, you know, of the space between these walls, and then there's more than three fachim between the hole and the wall, that is not going to be acceptable. So they're really trying to, to see, like, how far can you take this three tfachim, uh How far can you take the ten tzvachim, rather? Because once you've got three tzvachim that's separating between the whole and the sukkah, then we would say, well, listen, your sukkah is not a sukkah. It's not ten tzvachim high. And you're, you're deeper, you're digging of more ground to, to remove ground to establish a higher sukkah so that it's, it reaches ten tzvachim. It's not going to combine because you have too big of a gap. And this reminds me of Eriven also in terms of, you know, what space is defined as how, or, you know, that once you've got three tzvachim between two things, it's considered, it's, it's too much to be, uh, to attach. We have this, love this nowadays, with a, a canvas sukkah that blows around, right? If there's more than three tzvachim in the blowing of it, then there's some concern that your wall is not a wall of a sukkah. So there, the, the, the three tzvachim rule which here is brought in the, again, in the extreme, has some real current contemporary practical ramifications. So I just am struck by how some, so many of
0: the concepts that we saw in Aruvin were seeing again with sukkah. I mean, it's not super surprising because there was a lot of discussion about sukkah in Aruven, but just seeing, you know, the curved wall, lavud, all of these concepts are sort of appearing again just in a different halachic context.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, did you have anything you want to say before I go on?
0: Yeah, uh, I wanted to just talk about Rabbi Yaakov. So yeah, do so. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a whole discussion here about this opinion of Rabbi Yaakov. I'm not going to read the whole machlokas, but I just want everyone to pay a little bit of attention to like, how radical of an opinion Rabbi Yaakov has. Rabbi Yaakov basically says, well, we have this case where you sort of just put four posts by the edge of the roof right, just above the exterior walls of a house, he basically says we just extend and erase the partitions. Since the exterior walls of the house are basically, it's a full-fledged partition, essentially, right? We just consider them, you know, extending upwards and they're basically a wall of the sukkah. Um, And yes, so here's a great example of a concept that we did say in a Reuven, right, where we talked a lot about like extending walls up But here Rabbi Yaakov wants to put that same concept with sukkah and the rabbis are like, no, you need to like sort of really have some kind of actual partition there. You can't just sort of like start extending things upward. So I think here is where we see a limitation to some of those parallels.
1: I think that's fair. Um, Okay. Now I want to hit the very end of the daf. And I kind of want to spill over onto tomorrow's daf. We'll see how much time I take. Um, Okay, we come back to this question of the 10 Tzvachim high In that case, right, the presumption is it's not going to be kosher. How do we know that the halacha is that less than 10 Tzvachim high is going to be a not-kosher sukkah? So the Gemara answers. Itamar, Rav, Rabbi Chanina, Chaviva, the Gemara says, Rav and Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Chaviva taught about all of this thing. And then the Gemara has like a, a quick pop-up aside. Kol Yonatan. The Gemara tells us how to amend it, how to make a change to the text itself. It says every time in seder moed, right, which is where we are, of course, right, because Soka is in seder moed, so was Yoma. So was psachim. So is it. This is where we are. Kolki ki got Kolki every time you come to these this clump of people, Rav and Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Chaviva and Rabbi Yochanan switch out Rabbi Yochanan and put in Rav Yonatan. That somehow Rav Yochanan's name was was written and not Rav Yonatan's. And the I we we. your Dana. And I, you were both. We were both a little puzzled about this, like how did they know this and what's the what's the logic? The logic seems to be that Rabbi Yochanan was a little bit young, so young enough that they would say he wasn't really hanging out with the, the others. And so it makes more sense that it would be Rabbi Yonatan. And so the Gemara tells us, just keep an eye out that throughout Moed, this is one of those rules of substitution that you can rely on, which I do find fascinating uh, that it's from the Gemara, meaning it's not from Rashi, it's not from some Scholarly article. The Gemara itself is policing itself, and then they come to answer the question: Aaron Tisha v'chaporet tefach. So the Aaron, the Ark, was nine tefachim high, because what it says in the Torah is that it was one and a half amot high, and the amot that they used to measure the all of the kelim of the all of the vessels of the temple was six tefachim to begin with. So if you're saying um, One and a half, then it needs to be, it'll be nine at high, because that's the measurement. That's, again, I'm always with the math, right? One and a half is, and a half of six is three, three and six is nine, and so that's how we get to nine Tfachim. Now, the Kaporet, the ark cover, was one Tefach thick. So now, Harei kan Asara, so that's ten Tfachim. And so the Gemara quotes the verse in Sefer Shemot in the book of Exodus where it says specifically that Hashem will meet you there and I will speak to you from the Kaporet, from this covering of the Ark. So the if Hashem is going to speak right from the other side of the cover, then that is going to be ten Fachim, right? That's going to be ten Fachim. And so the implication is there, then, of course, that that ten fachim becomes the smallest space in which, I guess, in which Hashem can dwell. I think that's the implication. Because and now I'm just peeking into daf he, alu <laughs> It says Rabbi Yossi says that the shchina never really went below that below those ten fachim, and Moshe and Eliyahu never really went up on high, and they didn't make it to just climb up to the heavens. So then it's as if we've got the heavens over there and the earth over there, they're separate domains, and the ten fachim, that is exactly what makes it a separate domain. So then the idea is that for a sukkah to be its own domain, it needs to have ten fachim high, because otherwise it's not going to be considered this independent um, an, an independent space. Um, and any further discussion about what it means that the Shekhinah did or did not come down this, to this point, we'll have to hold off for tomorrow.
0: What's great about this section is it's so different than how they learned that you can't have a sukkah that's higher than 20 amot. For there, it's totally it was different. like real mitrash halacha, like they looked up sukim and they learned it out from sukim. Here they're learning it from something totally different. And I guess I'm a little surprised that there's not a unifying pasuk which is more around the concept of a buy it or a house or a dwelling where you would just sort of say like, oh, anything higher than 20 isn't a dwelling. Anything lower than 10 is not a dwelling. But that's totally not the direction that the Gemara goes in. Um, and they really take each case to, you know, unto itself. The 20 on is a certain case. The less than 10 is a certain case.
1: Yeah, I think that the difference between them is interesting. And I'm curious to see how it's going to develop. Are th- is, are we going to get a unifying principle down the road? Or is this going to each separate piece is learned out separately?
0: Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue mm-hmm. Michelle Farber, for hosting us on the Hydrogen website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP and our Talking Time Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.
1: <laughs>